sure you're you know simulating swinging an axe at a at a tire but are you actually simulating what you may or may not face out in the real world enchanted sky media media From the Federal Resources Studio, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. This is the show for and about firefighters. We're informing and entertaining members of the fire service, just like you, from coast to coast. Firefighters both train and work out. Though they share some elements in common, these are two different disciplines. And today's guest says it's important to do both of them well. Matt Page is an assistant chief with the Alpine Fire Department in Louisiana. He's also a captain at the Lincoln Parish Fire Department. And Matt Page joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Hi, Scott. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for joining me. So let's start with the basics. What is the difference between training and working out? Well, as you mentioned, you know, they do share a lot of similarities, but the biggest thing that you need to take into account is what are you actually preparing yourself for? I mean, working out is great. It it builds strength and stamina and, and is really good in the fire service. But then we also need to back that up with what I like to call or what I like is a real world training. You know, that's the actual stuff that we're going to see out when we get called. You know, that's the things that we need to prepare ourselves for, not only so that, again, we can, you know, have the strength and stamina to perform in our best, but also so we have the knowledge and the skills to perform that to which the public expects of us. I get the impression that you think that training is a little lacking. I do. I've I've noticed, you know, being on both departments, I've tried to take a a larger role on the training side of things. And with that, you know, I try to, I'm always looking for new ideas. And I was noticing both in face-to-face interactions, but also online, that there's a lot of firefighter workouts, which are great. But then I also noticed that people were considering or were, classifying working out as training and that's where i got to really thinking about are are you actually training sure you're you're dragging a dummy 50 60 yards sure you're you know simulating swinging an axe at a at a tire but are you actually simulating what you may or may not face out in the real world i sat down with myself and sat down with some colleagues of mine and we got together shared some ideas and Noticed that there were a lot of pitfalls, both in our department's training, but also possibly around the world. All right, let's break it down. Working out is obvious. I mean, everybody's got a workout room at their station, but that's pretty obvious. What is training as it applies to the physical component here? What I like about the the physical side of the training is, again, um, you need to be able to experience what you may experience out in the real world, but then be able to adapt to changing experiences. I mean, we, we say that every fire is different, and that's true, but all fires do 
share similarities. We need to be able to adapt our training regimen for those similarities, but then also be able to adapt if we have a, a monkey wrench in the works. That's where, you know, sure, if you've got a guy that you can go lift 500 pounds, he can advance a, a charge two and a half inch line by himself, that's great. But if he gets to a door and he doesn't have the knowledge or the abilities, you know, forceful entry abilities, then, then that's that's pointless. Same with the other, the flip side of that coin, if you have someone that's working on the roof and he knows anything and everything about the roof operations and how to properly do some vertical ventilation, but then he's winded as soon as he climbs that ladder, well, that that's lacking also. So it needs to be a healthy relationship between both the working outside but also the, the training aspects. Now, I think it's fair to say that working out is pretty well covered. I think most firefighters I know will work out at some point during their shift or their tour. But how often do we get to do training that actually applies to real-world situations? And And see, that's something that it does vary from department to department i would agree that you know a lot of firefighters they make time to work out that that is something that it's it's easy to do and some people find a lot of great pleasure in it the the key would be to try to combine both so sure you know we want to keep working out we want to keep you know playing with rescue randy or stuff like that but let's change things up and let's say that instead of rescue randy being you know 165 pound rigid rigid victim Let's let's bring a little bit of a real world aspect and let's say he weighed 250 pounds. Let's say instead of dragging him across a, a clean, wiped out open bay, let's let's put him in some a more real world situation between a bed and a wall or something like that to where we have to overcome obstacles. Let's black our face mask out and have our other um, workers, you know, put stuff around us to where we have to fight obstacles because Think about it. I mean, when you go inside a house, everybody has hoarders in their district. Everybody has people in their district with nice, beautiful, clean houses. If you have a house of a hoarder and it catches on fire and you have to catch, you know, grab that person and drag them out, you're going to have a really, really hard time pulling them out versus how you pulled Rescue Randy from one end of the bay to the other. And that's where it's you can still work out. You can still do what you love to do. But it's bringing a little bit of real-world aspects into your workout regimen. I'll be back with more right after this. When that call comes in and you rush to head out, the last thing you're thinking about is your safety. But your safety is all Federal Resources thinks about. At Federal Resources, we work to make sure that every responder is equipped, trained, and ready to come home safely. You look out for everyone else. Let us look out for you. Learn more at federalresources.com. In your article, you referred to lying to the community by claiming that some physical workouts are actually training. What did you mean by that? What I mean by that is, you know, we, we, again, we like to say that we're always trying to prepare. We're always prepared for the next call, which is true in a lot of aspects. But I feel that if all we do is we work out, but we classify that as training. So we're hitting the weight room, we're hitting the, the treadmill, or we're, we're out in the bay, you know, slinging that sledgehammer on the rubber tire. Sure, we are working out, and we may classify that as training. But if we have a, a call down the road to where we need to do a forceful entry proper, we need to use the rescue tools or something along that lines of 
where our training should come into play that we haven't done because, oh, we've been lifting weights and we've been working out. We've been doing our workout training sessions. Then we are lying to the community and we're lying to ourselves about how prepared we actually are for when they may or may not need us. So the question here then becomes, who takes responsibility for ensuring that this happens? I would say that the responsibility could be anywhere from the bottom to the top. I mean, obviously, you know, you'd like to have some some type of pen and paper backing you in the form of an SOP or an SOG. But then it should also come all the way down to that lowly firefighter to kind of say to himself, you know, this is great that I can do these certain things. This is great that I have the stamina to last so long. But at the same time, am I truly knowledgeable to where I may need to be? You know, we're all our, our greatest critics and our, our greatest weaknesses we know. You know, the guy next to us may not know that, hey, I really don't feel comfortable doing this or, hey, this is kind of a weak area. We know those things. So we know where we lack in training, but we also know where we lack in working out. Sadly, though, we tend to work on that working out part more than the training part. Well, in a way, it's easier because yes, the, it the room is set up. You just go do it. I agree. But that's where you can also, again, you can you can combine. I mean, all working out doesn't have to be in a weight room. All training doesn't have to be on a training center. Sounds like a great idea. Matt Page, thanks for being on Code 3 today. Thank you for having me, Scott. It was a pleasure. And we put some more information about training versus working out on our website at Code3Podcast.com slash workout. Check it out. Now, here comes your trivia question. How do alcohol-resistant foams work? I'll have the answer right after this. If you like Code 3, you'll love the Code 3 Bull Session. It's more discussion with our guests on any topic. Sometimes it's serious. Sometimes it's not so serious. But it's only available to patrons of Code 3. Find out what you've been missing. Go to Code3Podcast.com support. Pledge just $10 a month to support Code 3, and you'll get immediate access to all the Bull Sessions in our library and future interviews as we post them. Become a patron today, support the show, and get access to the Code 3 Bull Sessions. Here's the trivia answer. Alcohol-resistant foams create a polymeric membrane which contains the vapors of polar solvents and keeps them from reigniting. Hope you got all that. If not, go back and write it down. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. I'd like to hear what you think of this show. Just email me, scott at code3podcast.com. Although, as I mentioned in another episode, please don't ask to order mask pants. I don't have them. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me then. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, I'll see you later. Code 3 is made possible through the generous support of Federal Resources. Visit them at federalresources.com. This show is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to code3podcast.com.